I have a message and a theme on words. God's words are powerful. Words have an impact. Words have an impact. And, and I want to go to Psalm 19, verse 14. And uh, one of these great truths from David, he talked about how God's word was pure and makes wise the simple and, and uh, restores the soul. Who's ever had to have your soul restored? Your soul is your, is your mind, your emotions, your thinking faculties, your mood. It's perfecting, it, it's powerful, it's pure. And David, at the end of this great psalm, he said, uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength, my rock, and my redeemer. Let's say this together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now that word acceptable means delightful, pleasurable, favorable. So what David was praying is, God, I pray my inner world, my thinking processes, my mood, my attitude, my internal voicing, and then what comes out of my mouth. May this be something delightful to you, something that blesses you, something that honors you, something that you can do something with. You know, the Bible even says something kind of haunting. It says that we're going to be judged for every idle word. Idle words are just dead, you know, no, there's not so much intentionality with them. But what David was saying is, God, I want my, my words and my meditation to be favorable, something that you could use. And God uses faith, and God uses faith-filled words. You know, in the case of the centurion whose servant was sick at home, and Jesus was out doing his business bringing healing to people, the centurion, who had compassion on his servant, he said, hey, uh, Jesus, my servant is sick at home. And Jesus said, I'll go to your house. He said, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my house. Then he said something so famous. He says, speak the word only and my servant will be healed, which underscores the power of the spoken word. Words have power. And David is aware of that. And he says, after he said, the law of the Lord is perfect. It restores the soul. The word of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. God's word is right, rejoicing the heart. His commandments are pure, enlightening the eyes, clean, enduring forever, righteous altogether, more desirable than gold, and so forth. And then he says, by the way, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be favorable, be useful. It gets to a point, and this is actually a maturity-oriented prayer. David isn't just being cute here. He's, he's God, please help me in my thought life and in my words so that you could do greater things in and through my life. How many of you that you aspire to that? You're, I have to tell you, you're all designed to bear good fruit. You're made in God's image. You're called to be fruitful. We're called to multiply. We're called to impact the earth and spread the gospel of the kingdom, the good news about Jesus with signs and wonders following. So this idea, and I hope you can kind of even commit this to memory. Let, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart really have some punch, really be consistent with heaven. And uh, I'm teaching about words and about God's, God's word going in and through our lives. And uh, I think this is really so sweetly stated here. Isaiah 55, verse, well, it starts with six. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Do you realize you're doing that tonight? 
I commend you that forsaking assembling has become the habit of many. They say, oh, you, you, you know, I don't, I don't believe in going to church. I'm, 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 I love the Lord in my own way. And, and, I, and I kind of understand aspects of that, but that kind of isolation, the Bible says, he that separates himself seeks his own, and, and he rails against sound judgment. It's foolish, actually, to isolate yourself. We're better together. God has designed us to be the church, and he's called us to be the body of Christ, and we're members jointly held together. We're the body, and uh, great things can be accomplished. Uh, we're better together. We can do things better as we're dwelling together in harmony, and we're lifting our voices in one accord. There's so many indications in the Bible. The upper room, there were 120 gathered together praising God, and great results happened. A rushing mighty wind came in. Fire filled their hearts. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. People outside on the streets heard the gospel in their own language. It became way beyond natural. It became supernatural. So it's always good to seek the Lord. It's always good to call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Last week I talked to you about getting rid of toxic thinking. We don't even think sometimes that there's poison going on. But this verse even says, let the wicked forsake his way and, and the unrighteous man his thoughts and return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God and he will abundantly pardon. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Here's what I believe about humanity. Prior to the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, there was a tremendous situation. The pre-fall atmosphere was glorious. There was no sin. Adam and Eve were flowing in such a degree of purity. And uh, even when Adam, one of his first jobs given was to name all the animals, how do you just randomly do that? Because the creator created the prototype couple in his image and gave them creativity, gave them the ability to speak. There's really no other being on the earth that speaks. We speak, we speak. And there is so much power in this. But there was a forfeiture in the garden because of free will and choice and sin and Satan came in and deceived. Eve and Adam fell and they fell and failed and they were banished in a huge marring, a warpage. Uh, like Paul said, we look through a glass darkly, but eventually face to face. So we're peering into the word of God and this is really our hope where we can trade our toxic thinking and actually buy into thinking the thoughts of God. That's why when David said in Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, God, my rock and my redeemer. Here's a famous quote that I heard about this, and I, uh, it's attributed to uh, the late president of the Bilo supermarket chain, basically founded in 1961 in Georgia and North and South Carolina. There are 164 current locations and it employs over 13,000 employees. Now, when you research the attribution of quotes now, I was born on George Washington's birthday and I, I was raised with, I cannot tell why I did it with my little hatchet. They'd shot that one down. He didn't throw a dollar over the Potomac, uh, you know, so it's disappointing. But so when you research an attribution of what somebody said, even last week I was quoting Mother Teresa and, and there, were different, there are different lines within the quotation. So, you know, you've got to do fact check. So while I'm preaching, you guys can Google all this and see the 10 or 12 people this is attributed to. But as far as I know, in 1977, Frank L. Outlaw was the guy's name <laughs> uh, who, uh, who made this statement, watch your thoughts 
they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. And I think that's a really beautiful, distilled train of thought that starts with thoughts, words, which precipitate actions, which start to form our habits, which then manifest and displays our, the inner workings of our character, the characteristics of our lives, the core values we hold to. And then it ultimately has a contribution to or crippling of our destiny. I would love to be able to say in my Christian life, oh, I realized I was negative once, so I repented about 13 years ago, and I haven't done it since. But as it pertains to the toxicity of, in our thought lives, this is where the, the battleground is. In Numbers 13, when Moses said to the leaders of the, of the tribes, including Joshua and Caleb, go in and spy out the land and see the land the Lord's promised us and, and see what it's like. See, it, see if it's, if it's a hard, dry ground or if it's fertile. See, if, see if, if, the people, if the people are fortified, if the cities are just Bedouin or if they're really built up and established. Go check it out. And uh, they came back and everybody was overwhelmed with the, the negative aspects, which is then famously now called the bad report. They brought back a bad report. But yet Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. And Joshua and Caleb's mentality was, we shall by all means possess the land. What happened to the, uh, other, the majority was they became as grasshoppers in their own sight, and so they were in their sight. And there's no real reference there that they had actually spoken or interacted with any of the people in Jericho or any of the other places that they had gone through. So I think this was all an attack and it's highly probable that it was just an attack on their thought life. But they all saw the same thing. And here's the thing I feel about this message of trusting God and believing God and having faith. It's not mind over matter. It's not Christian science type mind stuff uh, or any such thing. This is just Bible thinking. This is really... Joshua and Caleb didn't go, no, there, there are no walls around Jericho. No, there are no giants on the land. No, they knew that there were giants on the land. They knew there were fortified cities, but they had the deeper uh, reference to the embedded promise of God. He said, uh, Caleb said, you know the word which the Lord spoke to you and me through Moses at Kadesh Barnea. And that is what I want to really get over to you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable favorable, useful, effective in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I think thoughts become words and words become actions and actions become habits. Habits become character. Character uh, impacts the contours of the fulfillment of God's will for our life. Here we are. Here we are. Facing this idea out of Isaiah about seeking the Lord and then getting rid of toxic thinking. How do you do that? Well, that's that's a good question. How do you overcome all this evil report, all this negativity? You run to the promises of God. It's such a privilege to have the Bible. This, I hope, makes you hungry. I hope this stimulates you to want to read more of the Word and meditate on the Word. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Meditation is pondering, and it's kind of reinforced in Philippians chapter 4, where 
whatsoever things are true and pure and right and lovely and honorable and praiseworthy and so forth. Think on these things. Dwell on these things. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And in the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not always easy to do this. I, I talked to a guy last uh, Wednesday night and he said, we need a lobotomy. He's an interesting guy. It's like, and in a sense, we do. We just need to cut off the trending toward negativity. And like it says in Ephesians, be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We're not being conformed to this world, but we're allowing God's Holy Spirit to spark us with transformation. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may prove what the will of God is. And again, our thoughts become our words, and our words become our actions, and our actions become our habits, and our habits become our character, and our character determines our destiny. So words, thoughts, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, this is on point right now. This is what I believe the Spirit of the Lord is really emphasizing, and I believe what God is providing for us is a clarifying kind of turning point moment, like, like which way are we going to go? We're going to go with the majority bad report like, oh, well, no, there are giants in the land and look at the economy and look at the wars and rumors of wars and, oh, man, and, and you can just go down. We, we all can go down. We have the capacity to go down that path. And the people, I'm going to tell you, we disparage those other spies because they brought back a bad report. They only lived about a week later. They weren't pleasing to the Lord. We don't even think about them. But they were actually, you know, solid people, leadership types of those tribes. And Moses selected them because they were select men from those tribes. But yet, they got poisoned and they got blinded, paralyzed, and died because of toxic thinking. Murmuring, yielding, succumbing to unbelief, letting our doubts start to dominate us. This is why when it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, though we live and walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare, uh, they're not of the flesh. They're divinely powerful through God to the pulling down of strongholds, to the destruction of fortresses. And these weapons that form against us, we actually, this is what I want to teach you guys. How did Joshua and Caleb cast down those imposing, real, reality-based fears and say, yet, nevertheless, God is going to see us through? How did they do that? Because they kept referring Beyond the circumstances, they kept going back to the promises of God's word. We were doing this tonight. I will have confidence in this. I'll see the salvation of the Lord. And, and that, that's faith building. And we need to have songs that are faith building. We need to have songs that reinforce who we are in Christ and what he's done for us in redemption and how powerful Jesus is, how mighty the Holy Spirit is, how, how superior God's word is and the, all the messages and the rigmarole of life and, the, and, and what we're hearing. There are all kinds of voices. But we need to learn to get our minds and think the thoughts of God. He said, hey, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are, your, are my ways or your ways my ways. He said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And, and, and this, the word invites us to, to get our, our thoughts on uh, heavenly things. The Bible talks about how you could, a mindset on the flesh is death. But the light, mindset on the spirit is life and peace. That's in Romans 8, 6. In Colossians 3, it says, don't set your mind on earthly things, but set your minds on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. And we're constantly, how do you, how do, you do that? Because I, I, I had an aunt that told me not to be so heavenly minded in order that I'll, I won't be of any earthly good. 
And what that really means, I think that's a statement of don't be so mystical and drifty that you don't work hard and live large in this life. We're not like the Lost Boys invited to live and hide out in Never Never Land. Church is not an escapist situation. God plugs us in head on to reality. We know that there will be earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence. But we also know Psalm 91, he that dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the, Al of the Almighty. And that with long life he satisfies us and shows us his salvation. I've tested this thing out. I mean, again and again and again. I kind of look at my testimony and I think, man. But yet, everyone in here has some type of testimony that is so beautiful of the intervention of God's mercy and God's strength and God's grace. And, it's your, and your testimony is your testimony and it, it is to be your treasure. You hold to it. It is your story after all. You are someone loved by God that Jesus has proven his commitment to you and the worth that he's placed on you by giving his life when he was only 33 years old in the prime of life for you so you could have this amazing breakthrough and get restored from what Adam and Eve forfeited and God bringing it all back together. Read Romans chapter five. It is awesome about what Adam messed up. Jesus more than abundantly, supernaturally made even a million times better. And because of him, we live and reign as kings in this life. And I just want this to get up in your headspace because that's where the battle is. Thoughts become words. And, uh, and, and, and again, let's look up here at, at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, what, where were we at? Verse four, that taking, casting down and destroying strongholds or speculations. We are destroying speculations. There's so much speculation. If you watch the news and you, you see people interviewed, the interviewers are always asking whoever the person is, can, can, you, can you please tell us what you think about this thing? And any smart person will say, I don't want to speculate. I don't want to rush to judgment. All the facts aren't in and I don't want to speculate. But a lot of them do speculate. So if you're not a wary viewer, you'll sit there and go, wait, wait, what just happened? What and they're all speculating. And speculation is, I don't know, but let me throw my opinion out anyway. That's why it's smart for us to forsake uh, speculation and really go in and see what the word has to say. Yesterday, God was prompted to me, read Romans 6, 7, and 8. All right, so I read Romans 6, 7, and I went through Romans 6, 7, and 8. Got it done. I felt two things. I felt, okay, I did what God told me to do, felt accomplishment, plus I got a lot of word. The other day I was speaking with Pastor John. He was talking to me about the book of Ruth. So I thought, I want to read the book of Ruth. So I read the book of Ruth. My brain glazed over. So I went back over it, started reading it again, took some notes, had to go back over it again. So then I read a little bit of a commentary, an introduction, a survey, and then I started getting revelation three or four times in. And I pressed in on it. There's only four chapters in it. And if you read it, it's about redemption and about a Moabite woman taking on the God of Naomi and, and saying, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. There's some beautiful, elegant little surface things in there. But what you see is, wait a minute, this precipitated Obed who precipitated Jesse who precipitated David. And it becomes this thing of, wow, God, 
You came in on the scene for this girl. And if you read about Naomi and the kids, she had these sons and this husband, and they were really strapping in life. And then the husband died and the sons died. And then she goes and turns to her daughters-in-law. And she said, this is a good mother-in-law. She says, hey, go back to your Moab, Moab families. And, and, and they go, no, no, we'll be with you. We'll be with you. She said, no, no, you go back. I'm too old to get remarried and so forth. And then Ruth said, I'm sticking around. It's because God has some stuff up his sleeve. Hey, I'm going to break this. Obed into, and Jesse's going to, and then Jesse's going to have David, and Jesus is going to be the son of David. So then now I really, really like Ruth the Moabitess. But I like the God who moved on the situation. Listen, my, I was reading it, and my mind wasn't getting renewed. I was just going through the duty thing. But then I went back over, and I began to meditate on it a little bit more. We need to get everything we can out of the Bible. And it's not so much how, how much we get into the word, it's what we get out of the word. And the Holy Spirit is there to lead us, guide us, and help us. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, pleasing, favorable, effective in your sight, O Lord, my strength, my rock, and my redeemer. That's what David prayed. We ought to pray that. Psalm 119, one of the favorite prayers of my wonderful hero, Billy Graham. I love seeing the results of someone. So then I want to pr probe a little bit. He said, I wish I prayed more and I wish I read the Bible more, Billy Graham. And he prayed, he said, this is what I always prayed before I read the Bible. He said, I pray, the, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy law. Open my eyes and I may behold wondrous things from your word. That's in Psalm 119, I think around verse 10 or so. That's a good thing to pray right before you read the word. I heard of another lady who read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John kneeling by her bed just so she would get focused on the word. And there's another preacher, he had problems falling asleep during his devotionals in the morning. So he went into his bathroom and he got, uh, he had a porcelain bathtub and he said he got up and he put his feet, he got up on the edges of his bathtub and he, he was in there, he said if, if he fell asleep, it would hurt. <laughs> That's good discipline, man. He actually did that in order to, so he wouldn't fall asleep. I love that. You guys didn't react as funny as that really is. But, but anybody that's honest about, hey, my thoughts drift, my words have become toxic, and my attitude. See, let's reread what, what Frank L. Outlaw is attributed to have, say, have said in 1977, that, that our, our words, watch your, watch your thoughts. We need to cast down imaginations and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And what's up, what's up with that? Put on the helmet of salvation. When I was a kid, put on your thinking caps in school, you know. But the scripture says, put on the helmet of salvation. We need to ponder and meditate on who we are in Christ, who God is in us, how great our God is. Meditate on how great our God is, how big God is, how strong God is. Oh, magnify the Lord with us. He's greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Meditate on these things. Ponder these things. Be absorbed in these things so that your progress will be evident to all, that, that it'll our thought, what we put in our meditation, it'll spill out in our words. Watch your words because they become actions. Watch your actions because they become habits. Watch your habits because they become character. Watch your character for it becomes your destiny. Ruth chose to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She saw something in her mother-in-law, Naomi, of her love for God. And her heart opened up to she was Jewish by choice. She wanted to know that God. Boaz saw her and he said, if 
somebody else doesn't come along, a, a kinsman redeemer doesn't come along and cover you or, or claim you, I, I'll take care of you. And it's just an amazing story. It's an amazing story of, of what a loving, a loving person with God, loving people, persons with God, can do for detached, lost, lonely people that don't have God. And it, it, it takes some of the mixed up, crazy, false standards of the world and it brings it back to the foundation of why we're here in the first place. To worship and get to love and know God and develop our love and honor, always learning what is pleasing to the Lord. I'm just pushing the reset button tonight to remind you of who you are in Christ, of how big our God is, how important it is to get rid of toxic thinking. And you know, in spiritual ways, I've had aspects of blindness because of toxic thinking. It's affected my vision. It affected the vision of the guys in, in, in Numbers where they, they said, nevertheless, the giants are there and the, the cities are fortified and the people are they're organized. And it, it was a threatening such series of things. They were real. They were prevailing. And yet Joshua and Caleb's buoyancy wasn't because of personality bias. It wasn't because of the synergy of their friendship. It wasn't because they were up for positive orientation. It's because they said, you remember what God's word said to us through Moses at Kadesh Barnea about us. And then when he was 80 years old on his birthday, he said, give me this mountain in Hebron. That's where the giants were. You know, Caleb ran the giants out of Hebron so that by the time the succession of generations, when David came along, Goliath was down in a valley because Caleb had actually run him down off the mountains. So David really isn't the precedent setter of giant slaying. Actually, Caleb was. And Caleb was having to face off with giants at 80 years old which helps you, and I took hold of this when I was in my 20s. Because I reckon, you know, this is inevitable, the transitions of seasons of life. So I'm gonna hold on to this whole, holistically. And I'm gonna believe that as my days are, so shall my strength be. And I like the idea of Caleb, and I embraced it when I was a kid, when people were looking down on my youthfulness. I was already thinking, man, when I'm 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 110 years old, by the grace of God, with God helping me, I'm gonna slay some giants. But it starts, right, it starts right here. We've got to cast down imaginations. The devil's a liar. He accuses us before God day and night. He's belittling. He's criticizing. In fact, when they try, we're building the, the walls around Jerusalem, it's just somebody, just two people just got killed in the temple. We were there at the Temple Mount. We had a conflict like that in the 70s. It'd blow your mind if I told you what happened to us there. We had a similar threat in that same setting in 1978. But... Prior to that, when Nehemiah built those walls, God was there for him, faithful in that particular context with these attitudes of Joshua and Caleb, with the attitude of Ruth. Hey, where else could I go? That's what Peter even said. Where else could I go? Listen, guys, we're in a critical situation right now. This is getting real. But it's about as real as it was when I got saved. Around the time I got saved, it felt pretty much the same way. The economy issues, air pollution, attitudes of clashing on the population, division in a lot of different levels, socioeconomic, racial, so, so many things, same as but different. But listen, God's word never changes. We're all called to be builders. We're all called to achievement. We're all called to bear fruit. We're all called to step out in faith. We're all called to be bold. We're all called to be bold. You can get around some people and they just have a nature that's kind of 
more, I don't want to say aggressive, but just more forthright or more, more uh, extroverted. And then you have people that are kind of reserved. And uh, reserved people need to step out, be bold. And overly pushy people need to check out, make sure you're doing God's will and not just whipping up a bunch of stuff. There's a lot of people just whipping up 90%. I remember a guy said, oh, most of what's going on in the kingdom of God is of the flesh. I thought, that is intense. I hope you're wrong. But as I've gone along with it, it's like, I'm sad to say that it's people whipping up stuff. We're going to do all this stuff. And it just drains resource into direction. It's like, wait a minute. That wasn't for this. Don't go whipping up a bunch of fleshly stuff. Wait on God. Hear from God. But when you hear from God, do it with all your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Doesn't mean just, I'm just going to randomly, arbitrarily do whatever I feel like doing. Because it doesn't mean that. We need to seek God. With Habakkuk, he said, I'm going to get up on my, high, on, my, on my rampart, and I'm going to see. I want to watch and see. Everybody say, watch and see. See, this is that thought life thing. It's like, I want to meditate. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. What are you really saying, God? What are you saying in your word? What do you want me to know? What are you saying by the Holy Spirit? What are you saying concerning the times? Because this is what God is inviting us to. Cast down imaginations. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. They that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we're going to remember the name of the Lord our God. And it calibrates us. John 10, he says, they, my sheep know my voice. And they hear the shepherd and they follow him. They don't follow the voice of a stranger. Hallelujah. That's hugely significant because there's so many stupid voices calling on us to do this and do that. I feel it. I deal with it in the church. This is part of my deal, part of my burden. I have to fight through this stuff. There's so many good ideas. There's so many rallying. Bing, 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 bing. Come on, let's all do this. Let's do this. Ah! And then you're like, and then God is going, I wanted you to do this. I want to find that stuff, you guys. I don't want to wait on the Lord and then, and then justify procrastination and, and reticence, because that's what can happen. But on the other hand, don't want to lunge. I heard a guy say, I'd rather be a little bit behind God than ahead of God. I thought, well, I'd rather be right in time with God. I was like 22 years old, and he was in his 60s. It's like, how young man dumb of me was that? It was so idealistic. Well, I'd rather be right on track with God. It is like, well, of course, that's what that guy meant too. But he's basically saying, with a tendency of flesh and man and impulsivity or lagging, he said, I don't want to be so far out ahead of God. It's like, you turn around and God is, he's way back there going, hey, remember me? Hey, let me know if you ever need my help. David was like, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And, and Paul is even saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says, though we live an earthly life, we do not wage an earthly war. We're, our weapons are divinely powerful through God. Bridle our tongue. Get our minds renewed. Come on. I've talked to my brother about this. He's even said, you know, this scripture really helped me out. It's like, yeah. I, I listen for that stuff. If it helped you, it'll help me. You know, what helped you? This helped me. Oh, Yeah. That's where iron sharpens iron and where we all occasionally we need to speak, have the word dwelling in us richly in order that we could build each other up. I, I just so much want St. Louis Family Church to be an environment where we learn how to 
build each other up. We don't diminish anything. Everything is a contribution. We, I, want to be, I want us to be builders. I want us to impart hope. I want us to stimulate courage. I want to share the things that, that, that build up faith. And faith comes by the word. So I want the word to be our priority. And that, that's what Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, he's, Jesus said, oh, listen, man, right now, you've got this window here. And, and Mary's just fixating on it, listening to the word. It's so important. Because like in a moment right now like this, you could pick up some seeds that'll get in your spirit and they'll germinate and they'll pop out. That You'll end up having a reference point later on and you'll be in a conversation and then this will come up. My son Kingston said this, Dad, I was talking to this person and I, scriptures came up that I didn't even know I had in me. I thought, oh yeah, man, that is an indication of just what, part of what the Holy Spirit, he takes from Jesus and he reveals to us. And he says he'll bring all things to our remembrance and he'll quicken us because he's our teacher. And, we, and you could be led. Turn to look at somebody and say, be led. You could be led by the Holy Spirit. See, I think about this dear pastor who I never knew or met, 86, just passed at a good ripe old age. And because he had a leading of the Holy Spirit to take the service outside, it caused a person driving by to be intrigued and to be drawn in and it precipitated that life-changing moment and that event in that person's life. So then let's learn how to follow the witness of the Spirit. Philippians 4.4, I want you to read this out loud with me. We're going to read this portion of Scripture, a public reading of Scripture. Can you flow with me? Okay, let's read this. Start with Philippians 4.4. Ready? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now here we go. Finally, brethren... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Look at verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul had a revelation. He later clarifies it by saying, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of getting along in humble means and having abundance. And one translation says, living independently from my circumstances. And he called it a secret, and he said he learned it. It wasn't overnight, and it's a process. I don't think Joshua and Caleb just had it all figured out. I think they were human beings, and they had serious challenges. And that's what I love about this message. That we actually, God invites us, Isaiah 55, to lay aside inferior to toxic thinking and begin to think the thoughts of God. That just means meditating on the promises of God's word. What does the Bible have to say about your healing? What does the Bible have to say about your marriage? What does the Bible have to say about you reconciling in situations and, and God turning things around for your good? What does the Bible have to say about it? What does the Bible have to say about your position on earth? That the, My Bible says you're a more than a conqueror. 
My Bible says that he always leads us in triumph. My, my Bible says that in all these things, nothing could separate us from the love of God. It says whatever we put our hand to will prosper. Oh, you're just being positive, Pastor Jeff. You're cutting and pasting. No, I'm just reading some good promises to you. Well, what about Leviticus and all the Levitical laws of the covenants and the blood and the sacrifices and the entrails? What about the entrails, Pastor Jeff? <laughs> Those were foreshadowings. The, law, the blood of bulls and goats cannot completely eradicate the sin condition, but the blood of Jesus does. And when you understand that, then you, you're, you realize you're cleansed from your former sins and the devil doesn't get a foothold on you, pulling you down in condemnation and beating you over the head with what you shoulda, coulda, woulda done or how bad you were or the failings of your past. And occasionally, he'll try to whip those things back up to you and those are those vain imaginations. Those are strongholds. You need to take them and cast them down. Not every thought that comes to you comes from God. And I heard somebody say famously, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. Yeah. 